0: We have another guest. Get excited with us. Um, we have our resident mold expert, Andrew Melrose, who you may or may not know him as Mold Authority Live on Instagram. He's a mold remediation expert. He helps people navigate mold in their home while maintaining peace of mind, right? Everyone needs that. And he's done hundreds of in-person inspections and testing, writes up remediation protocols and remediation oversight for like lots and lots of clients. So, welcome Andrew to the Hot Heel Girl podcast. I promise you don't have to be a girl. We have a wide <laughs> we have a wide audience. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Hello. Good to good to be on here. Thank you so much for the invite.
0: So, let's just hop in with your journey with mold. I know so many of us that's how you would get into the space, right? How did it come
1: yeah. to you? Yeah. Um, so I've always been into health. Uh, it's the body fascinates me, the, um, how it works, even mental, emotional, spiritual, f- physical, just how it all works together. Well, a big part I was missing was the environmental aspect uh, of it and how, yes, our environment is a huge part of how, you know, our body, um, Can regulate itself and and everything so I, i knew nothing really of the environmental side after doing all this research on the other facets of health uh well then i met tom ray who's awesome and he's been in the industry about 20 years and started picking his brain on some things shadowing him on some inspections and within a week i realized this is much more than just a blue collar job where you go in and you know inspect some homes like it's it's not just the home inspector and we can talk about that briefly at some point but um It's kind of more, it felt more like a health uh, assessment uh, of a home, which I believe the home is like an extension of the body in a sense. And there's a lot of parallels there Uh, for people who work on the body, like yourselves. It's important to test and heal the body. And it's also important to test and heal the home. So that's where this is a very synchronistic uh, relationship because um, many people in my space don't know how to uh, test and heal the body the way you guys would, and vice versa. There are hundreds and hundreds of awesome health practitioners who go, wait, how do I get the environment? Right. And so again, this bridge is extremely important. And I realized that early on, Um, my journey specifically with mold was just uh, probably had it in my house. Growing up, my parents were like, why is his immune system? Like so rocked as a kid. And I think there were a lot of facets to it. I obviously was not um, probably eating the best. I was like uh, kind of, stressed kid uh in a lot of ways and my body was probably not uh in the in the best and strongest of states there but they actually did have a hunch from a naturopath that maybe mold was part of it they brought in like a mold inspector they told me and even a dog or whatever and there was nothing really done about it but i can almost guarantee you i was i was exposed growing up in in different ways well um when I learned about this, I realized that, that, Oh, that's why I felt so bad at this person's house because I could just, all the memories start coming back of, you know, of that. And also um, going into these homes, doing inspections. I'm like, man, some of these, like you can, I leave the inspection feel like I got hit by a truck to go home and jump in the sauna and do all the stuff I know how to do to like re-regulate. I'm very thankful that um, none of those exposures really were like long-term. They were just a quick spike in symptoms and I could kind of re-regulate and go back. But it, it, I'm not uh, one of the people who kind of, you know, shoo away like, oh, no, that's all in your head. Like, I, I definitely know certain environments will will kind of hit me in the face the <laughs> same way some it does with other people. So very um, empathetic towards everyone who, uh, you know, has gone through this. And um, that kind of in the first few, few months of doing this work, I was like, man, do I have too much empathy to be doing this job because it, it impacts health finances uh you know flips people's life upside down it depending on how bad the situation is right um if it's gonna if it's a widespread problem or there's just a lot of facets to it so um long-winded answer but i started doing a ton of inspections and testing and that's really what i was is um more of the third-party diagnostic uh, person to do the testing and inspection and then from that third-party independent uh source then you write up a protocol and hand it to what I would call the home surgeons who are the remediators to then do the job and actually execute what you wrote up. That way there's no conflict of interest, they're two separate companies and that's a very important thing for clients to know is you probably don't want your remediator being the one inspecting because of course he's going to find a problem, right? And then hey, we'll also, you know, fix it for you for this high amount and we'll also come and test at the end of our remediation and we'll clear our own work. So it's very, very much a conflict of interest there. And so I did more of just the inspection and testing part and realized the huge demand for that. But then also when I got on Instagram uh, a couple of years after just doing the in-person stuff, I realized how much national help and guidance and information and consultation that was needed as well. So that's a lot of, uh, you know, what I'm doing now all around the country.
0: That's so needed, honestly, pretty much. So we did Q and A boxes with our audience to see what they wanted to know about mold. We know we talk about it, but especially coming from an inspection expert and right. Cause you understand remediation a lot. What a lot yes. of people want to know is how do you find a remediation company that you trust? Like mm-hmm. what is, where do we even begin with that? Cause there's so many companies out there. How do you know? What
1: would the you very, look for? Very, very good question. Um, So the the standards you want to be looking for at minimum are called the IICRC S520, a bunch of letters and numbers, but the IICRC S520 is the official protocol certifications for mold remediation. And at minimum, they should be certified in that. And at minimum, they should be following those protocols. I went through the course, though I never did hands-on remediation. I've done remediation oversight, been a part of many many of them being around there kind of overseeing it but not um actually doing the work myself but going through the the classes as if i was a remediator was so helpful i was the only inspector in the class everyone else were remediators but it was so helpful to um not just know in theory like oh you know i've done my inspection uh you should get this dealt with and here's your protocol like no i knew the remediation protocols specific enough to say this is where containment barriers should go this is what needs to be removed this far past the growth, following the path of the moisture, all these different, the the language is very important to really dial this in because it's like I said, it is like a home surgery uh, on the home. And so you want to make sure that that's handled properly. Um, Really a good remediation can also be um, set up best by the homeowner being very well versed in certain things. So do your own homework. I always tell people before you, um, bring in professionals, do some of your own homework. It's, it's kind of the difference between, I know about how my car works and what I need done when I go to the mechanic versus just handing the keys. And then they come out with a massive, oh, you got all these issues. And um, you're like, well, which one do I do? Which one's most needed versus which one's more optional stuff like that. So it's very important that, and this is why I'm huge on just the awareness and education part for homeowners because you can save a lot of time, money and stress by doing your own homework and knowing certain aspects of the home. You don't have to be experts on it and obsess over it, but certain boxes should be checked before you even bring in a professional. The first professional to bring in would be a good inspector. So it's then vetting that inspector um and working alongside them. And we can talk about kind of the pros and cons of that and how, um you know, what we, what we don't want an inspector as well. But it's really about having the right team in place because that inspector, if he does a good job, she does a good job and works with you on this, can then set up the remediation to be done better because that remediator is going to be on their toes. If the inspection was done well, the protocol is written, the test results are in, all the data points are in, now the remediator is got to follow instruction. It's about executing that stuff and doing it well. So there's a kind of a um, uh, accountability there. Um, so in vetting the remediator, at minimum they should be following those S520 protocols in remediation. Um, they should, you should really like, I tell people like have a good gut intuition feeling about them. If you feel right off the bat that like, they don't take their job serious, they just want a buck. They'll be in and out. They don't understand the health aspects of it as much. Just go on to the next one. Like it's not, don't, don't feel forced into, you know, any one of them doesn't matter what they say. Like you need to be following your intuition on this. A lot of this is, do I trust this person in my home, um, to be doing work and, uh, do I, you know, feel good about them and have some form of trust? If so, that's the big first box to check. And then, um, and really asking them about those protocols, like, will they follow them right? Um, and are you willing to work with me that if, you know, the, if we find anything more along the way of remediation, like you open up a wall and there's more behind it, like, how are we going to deal with that? Um, there's a, a lot more to do, you know, with that, but you just want to have those um, prepping calls with them uh, and really asking about their experience and what they're committing to do with you
0: i guess i got a little ahead of myself with you know remediation i went straight for the jugular but you're <laughs> right we should backpedal a little to inspection how do you find a good inspector what are you looking for what are you not looking for testing what tests do you want done what tests do you not want done that mm-hmm. sort of thing
1: great question this is also uh, a gray area for the testing so I did a, a basic, it's only like 10 or 12 minutes, but it's on a whiteboard. So it's a little bit more helpful. And that's a video on my Instagram that I would love for people to watch because the main three basic tests that everyone is, um, that the industry has right now, and I wish there was a perfect all in one test, there just isn't right now. And each one has their strengths and weaknesses. The same way you test a body, you could test blood, urine, saliva, hair, reflexes. Like there's a million different ways of testing the body for, for different things, right? So the same way you're testing your body and many different ways to follow or to find out. Uh, different information. It's the same way in testing a home. And I'll say right off the bat, a good trained eye thorough inspection. And you could even be that trained eye as a homeowner. And that's part of, you know, knowing um, the history of the home, the current state of the home, what we're trying to look for, these different factors. You can find out visually things that even tests won't tell. So you have to pair every test with some of that contextual knowledge of the home, your own inspection, what you're seeing, smelling, you know, and using your, you know, your senses to to check yourself. Um, the the, te- the main test on the market right now, and I'll talk about an inspector doing this, but again, i really like to stress the homeowner. Let's not just hand the keys too early to a professional if you can do a lot on the front end yourself. there's This is your home. You can take ownership. You don't have to be scared. You're going to miss something. Get something done before bringing an inspector in uh, because I always loved when the homeowner, you know, I walk in, um, to do an inspection and the homeowner goes, hey, I knew there was water damage here. There's a funky smell in my sink here. It doesn't make me cut corners. I mean, that's because I do business with a clean conscience and always want to be very, very thorough, but it actually helps me have a good starting point because we're trying to prioritize what's the area that's actually impacting the health of the home the most. We can go chasing down a little black spot of mold and you know, we're not going to get to mold free, I tell people. like You can go chase down those little spots, but what's actually impacting the most surface area in the home and the uh, overall air quality the most. And it's the toxigenic uh, spots where there's a source of you know water damage, things like that, or it's this dispersion from sources through the HVAC system or live on top of a swamp for a crawl space, all these different you know factors that add to that overall concentration in the home. So for testing, the main kind of three categories is a dust collection sample, an air sample, and then a surface sample. So dust collection sample would be Um, it's not, you're not, uh, collecting from a source. So if you see, you know, black mold under a sink, you're not going to collect the dust there. That's more for a surface sample. I'll tell you in a bit about that one. The dust sample is literally for innocent looking household dust. You just collect throughout the home. Many would have heard of it as an Ermi. There's also an Emma. It's, you're just collecting dust. You take that dust on a Swiffer pad, you send it to a lab and the lab tells you what's in the dust from a mold species level that result will come back and it will not tell you it's coming from your bathroom it's coming for your from that there it's literally just saying this is what's in your dust and it only for the erming at least 36 mold species well for some context the aspergillus mold type has 200 or 300 plus species in itself so there's so many molds and mold species that are not even being tested on the erming so we have to know that that's one of the limitations right off the bat however those 36 are and there for a purpose cuz a lot of them are more mycotoxin producing and those are important ones to know. So when you're doing an ermy, you're just seeing what what is what am i exposed to on a day-to-day level of what's just in my dust. And so then you have to pair that with where's it coming from. So people send me ermys all the time, some are very stressed because it's high. First of all, you got to interpret it based on the molds there and the amounts there, not the score. I won't get into that technicality probably here, but ask me about it, check my Instagram page. The mold uh, like ERMI score has a ton of flaws for how it was uh, determined. And there are again, many, many reasons for that. Doesn't mean I throw the ERMI out entirely. It means that you have to know the molds and know the levels of the molds and start to make some sense of it with the other context of the home like we're talking about. And the best testing strategy is a combination of tests. Like we said, so we get more data points. So the ERMI is that, you know, collection, you can do it yourself about 240 or something online to collect that dust, send it in, get the results back, and I can help with that. Um, And other people can who are well-versed in interpreting those um, and hopefully giving you some sort of action plan after that. Air samples are other tests. These are kind of, um, so the, the health field would say that the ERMI is the gold standard for a lot of different reasons. And I can understand that. The construction, real estate, the kind of uh inspection and remediation world would say that the air samples are the gold standard Uh, those have a ton of uh kind of weaknesses in themselves but also some strengths it depends again who's taking them where they're taking them why they're taking them where they are and understanding the strengths and limitations of them if you guys were to take an air sample in the center of your 20-foot ceiling you know living room it's way less accurate than if you go under a sink cabinet that's got a really you know musty smell and everything it's a more concentrated area. makes sense right Air samples are collecting air for those five minutes. They're not collecting air from yesterday, from last month. That's where the ERMI is good because when you're collecting dust, you're collecting maybe the accumulative effect of the last month's air quality that's then settling on the surfaces, right? So we're, we're getting a more historical reading in the ERMI as well. And air samples only a current reading um, of what happens to be at, in the air at that moment. So an air sample strategy is best when you have a reason we want to test under this sink because it's got a bad smell and we're seeing visual evidence, throw an air sample in there. It's a better localized test than doing an army there and also more, you know, price efficient. Um, most inspectors will be doing those air samples. That's why again, homeowners do your own homework and then, um, tell the inspector, you know, where you want your air samples done. That's a very smart thing to do. We, uh, maybe they'll do additional ones, but go into those different places of your home, identify where the best bang for your buck options would be, and then tell your inspector, I want testing there and get readings there. And then finally, uh, long-winded, but the surface samples would be, hey, we actually found discoloration here, a very suspect, you know, white, green textured dusting over here. We want to identify it. That's good. That's swab sample or tape sample is like presence versus absence. It's there, send it in. It's very, um, there's less room for error on those because you've found the source and uh, or at least you're able to able to identify it. Air samples have those variables of what's the air like at that time. Uh, the dust collection's weaknesses is you're only collecting 10 surfaces, not all the dust in the whole home. The swab sample is good because you're gonna get right on that spot, so. Um, inspector wise, they should be well-versed in all of those testing strategies. Um, a big downside of some inspections, uh, is that people will let the inspector leave in 30 minutes, uh, and with 500 of their dollars for two or three air samples and walk away. And you're like, that was, gosh, I could have done so much more myself, um, than that. And so don't let that happen. That's where on the vetting call, you want to be like, Hey, are you going to go in my attic to check my. Uh, Basement crawl space and be very very thorough and really take your time to find the source and really trying to make sure that you're stressing to them that you're hiring them to be thorough in in your home um, that they're you know certified some states uh, only five or six states require certain state certifications as well Um, and so they're a little bit more serious but um, for inspectors yeah you want to just make sure that they're well versed in this stuff that they're going to help with the thorough inspection the testing strategy and The writing of a uh, protocol according to those remediation standards.
0: So, a lot of people asked if they were renting, what can you do there? What to look for if you're renting? Is there, like, I mean, right? It it would get pricey to do all of those tests if you're only renting. What would we suggest for that sort of person? Like, renting
2: or buying, like, if you're going into, like, looking to move into a new place, like, what should you look for? To say I should move in, I shouldn't move in?
1: Yeah, very good question. So, the first test is free, and all it's going to cost, unfortunately, is some symptoms. And that is the test is how your body feels. Mm. Go into an environment neutral and be like, you know, very aware that my body is an antenna. It's got master intelligence that knows and feels, and especially women, like they are even more dialed into their environment, and it's awesome. And so, like, use that to your advantage, not in um, like, fear or stress response, just go in neutral and say, how am I feeling in this environment? What am I smelling? You know, all those different things. And if some acute, you know, like you, you can know, you go into a certain places and like, it just got the the smell or the feel that's off or man, like pay attention If my nose, start running, or did I kind of start to get a headache or some brain fog right away? Maybe we just scoot on and you, you didn't have to spend much money on that one. Other people have kind of, gone into the home search process and they just kind of blindly just collect the, the dust of the previous tenant and walk away and they, whatever the ermy says goes like, that's irresponsible like let's don't just collect some dust and like let let that dust collection make your next big life decision <laughs> so um you know learn about what am i looking for and do your own thorough inspection a bright flashlight to be honest there's all these fancy inspection tools and i like them all but a bright flashlight is literally the best, in my opinion, uh, the best tool when doing an inspection. You can go on my page as well. There's literally um, a, a piece of framing of wood where I took a picture and there's no flash on that picture. And then you on the same piece of wood, I took the same picture, but with a flash. And the pieces of wood look radically different. The one with the flash shows this white, green, you know, circular kind of like uh, texture dusting. And I took a swab sample of it and conditioned three aspergillus. You're like, oh, well, that's the the need for a flashlight is very, very important. So get a good, bright flashlight when you're walking through to rent or to own. Um, and just at different angles, really seeing, am I seeing a heavy dust content level here? Well, if you were to take an army of that dust and send it in, it would maybe be, be high. We got to know Certain things about the history of the home, if you can, you know, if this is a 30 year old home, you have 30 years worth of history you're inheriting, 30 years worth of potential uh, water damage or things that were covered up. There are issues with new builds, building errors, very tight homes, practices that are not always the best. There's a lot of factors with new homes too, of course, but you have to weigh the pros and cons of if you're renting an old home that's been rented and there's been, you know, 20 different tenants, you're, you're getting all of their lifestyles kind of like, you know, building up there. So with a renter, I would more lean on the side of newer if, if possible. Um, but you know, there's, there's definitely upsides of older homes too. They're not built as tight, which means the humidity would not spike as much and stay in there. The home's allowed to breathe fresh air is the best air. So definitely introduce. Um, I tell people this on maintenance strategies, definitely introduce like uh, fresh air from outside and natural light, Mold needs dark, damp, stagnant air. So if the house has been sitting for three years. No one's living in there. Nature kind of goes, no one's living here. We're nature's decomposer. We're gonna go in and we're gonna live there and recycle this you know, material and start to, mold's gonna just spike because there's no life there. Um, it's very important when you go into a new home, get a lot of natural light in there. Mold is not, when we look outside, mold is not just taking over the world, taking these buildings out, right? There's a natural like moisture goes up, rain happens, it dries out naturally, and there's a beautiful balance in ecology and nature. We want that in our home. And so that means good airflow, good circulation, uh, fresh air, light and activity, um, you know, in the home is going to really help a lot. So when you're going into a rental, um, doing your own inspection is very important. If you do want to do testing, you could do an ERMi, but just know those strengths and weaknesses and what your goals are. And I wouldn't put, you know, all of your decision on just what those uh, are. I would definitely have someone well-versed in interpreting them with you. Um, maybe you could get the at home air sample test kits and say, I'm going to go to after my inspection I'm go to those certain areas that could be like yellow flag areas. And I want to go and actually get a reading of those. That could be a way as well. Um, But yeah, when renting, you really need to trust your own self and your own inspection and then say, as a renter, I can't control everything, um, but I'm going to do as much as I can within my control and be a to of the things I can't. So maybe air purification, dehumidification, you can definitely control those two, how clean the house is. I tell everyone, even going into a brand new home, deep clean on your way in, like clean your stuff, but also clean um, the previous environment of all the, like, try to get it as dust-free as possible. Take a HEPA vacuum, we can talk about that, um, and then a damp wipe down and really get the house as clean slate as you can uh, before moving in.
0: So you brought up what I wanted to talk about next, which is air purifiers. Uh, do they actually help? What types help? What types don't really do much? If you're stuck living in mold, right, you can't break your lease, you don't have the finances. Is that what you should be doing?
1: Um, that is a... It's a, it definitely is more of a band-aid, and it's more of my opinion that uh, it's, it's a good maintenance strategy. So like, I think I mentioned the mold timeline video that I made Mm -hmm. on my Instagram page, but the goal is to get like progress through mold and get to our goal, which is maintain and move on. Don't stay in the loop of obsessing over mold for five, 10 years of your life, unless you have a purpose in the industry, like you guys are doing to educate and like bring some solutions, but for the everyday homeowner to just be like constantly obsessive, like what's behind my walls all the time. Get your home to as good as you can within your control, make those um, solutions happen and then figure out how do I really keep my body in homeostasis, heal my body and learn about my body. I always try to tell people have a good balance of learning about the body and the environment and having a good approach to um, heal and um, maintain both. So with the home environment, the goal is to maintain and move on. And in that maintenance strategy, it's monitor humidity, keeping levels below 55% consistently. Um, And then if it's not there, you might have to, uh, especially in basements and everything, you got to put uh, dehumidifiers in there. So humidity is one thing we can definitely control in the home. And then um, doing your own inspections in the house, also that's part of that maintenance strategy. Air purifiers is another one where it's gonna help the circulation in the home. It's gonna clean the ambient air. It's not gonna go and clean surfaces for you. You gotta do that manually yourself but it's going to clean the ambient air and and circulate those. And you want to pick um, one that is a little bit, a little bit above and beyond just a HEPA filter. HEPA filter is going to do some to keep your air clean, but um, you know, these other technologies like air doctors got the ultra fine HEPA filter plus a, you know, carbon VOC filter and Intellipure is like the Ferrari of it, you know, the highest cost, but like really, really good. The IQ air, Austin air, air Oasis, all good options, but as a renter, yeah, it's something to invest in to, to clean that ambient air a little bit and lower the overall concentration in the home. Like they say, the best solution to pollution is dilution. So it's going to help the diluting process, but it's not a little remediator for you. Um, It's more of a maintenance strategy to, you know, keep the good air quality.
0: So that was a lot of brands and I'm glad you said that so that people have like ideas of which ones to look for and what to look for. Mm -hmm. Um, So what if you can't move out? What if, like I said, do you just, do air filters and try and, you know, reduce the amount of mold in your body, or good
1: question. You know, I had to
0: move in with a friend, right? Like I I couldn't. I was covered in a full body rash for months. What? And I was like, well, friend, now my boyfriend. It worked out, right? It worked out for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it wow. it just I I got lucky, his roommate moved out. I moved in with him because I could not physically live in that environment anymore. And I know that yes. not everyone's that fortunate, but if wow. they're not. What yeah. That,
2: that was one of the questions. Like if you cannot move from mold immediately, like what are your must yeah. do's
1: great question. Um, yeah. If your body's screaming at you and you know, here's the biggest test. Do I feel significantly better when I'm out of the house versus when I'm in the house? And if you're in the house and you're feeling like that, that you have to follow, like you got to do what you got to do. in that, if you truly can't, then best solution to pollution is dilution. How do we dilute this best we can? and fresh air, natural light, dehumidification, air purification, and then deep cleaning the house with a HEPA vacuum and a damp wipe down will start to lower those levels a bit. If you have an active mold source that you're aware of, let's just go back to under the sink, it's the easiest one. It happens way too much, so check under sinks, guys. Um, If the, uh, you know, you have like so many rental properties too, it's terrible that they don't handle it well or they just paint over it, the leak happened. if you know there's a source there um don't open it you can tape seal it if you need to to like try to contain it as much as possible it's there still will be a level of exposure but identifying those spots avoiding them if there are those more you know smoking gun areas where you know of that the hvac system for instance like is a big big one that if you're inheriting a home that's 20 years old and the hvac system is 20 years old and you got 20 years of history blowing through there and you get in there with a flashlight and you see thick, heavy dust content, discoloration in there. Every time you kick the system on, it's distributing throughout the home. So that's where you have to clean the house, but maybe you don't even use the HVAC system. And if you don't use the HVAC system, you have to make sure that humidity levels are low and circulation is still up in a different way. The HVAC system is very, very important. Don't, No one just go turn off your system just because you're scared and let the air be stagnant and damp. I've literally had people leave for a week and they turn their system off and the fan off. And they come back and there was literally mold like everywhere, um, on clothes. It was crazy. So like, again, you need to keep circulation and ventilation happening in the home. And that's a big reason why a lot of homes have, um, well, good, good ventilation through the attic in different places and why, you know, to open the windows, but the HVAC system does that. And, um, and that forced air to exchange it is very, very important. Um. But if the HVAC system is in terrible, terrible shape and a lot of people say, I'm just going to not use it at all and turn it off. And that's going to, um, you know, help it from being forced, you know, everywhere. And you still have to uh, kind of more manually uh, dehumidify and, and uh, circulate the air so that it's a, you know, it's a decent environment. You got to do what the HVAC system would have done uh, if you were using it. Um, it's a bit technical. I don't want to get like too much deeper into that one, but. You need to identify where those sources are, and um, there's a lot of different environmental factors. I know we're talking about the four-letter M word today, but there's a lot of environmental factors. Carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, radon, asbestos, or lead. Asbestos and lead is pre-1978. Just be aware of that for older homes. Don't go just HGTV, you know, ripping up homes if it's pre-1978. If you haven't checked for asbestos and lead, you don't want to disturb that stuff can cause a whole host of, uh, issues as well. So, um, doing your own, you know, uh, checks that way and, um, yeah, doing as much as you can within your control to, uh, to try to, you know, mitigate that. If you really can't leave, like I mentioned before, dehumidify, circulate the air, maybe air purification, um, and then deep cleaning of the home and trying to identify those source areas and lower those.
0: Yeah, I know. I personally lived in old homes and that's what ended up being moldy for me. And you have to sign, like in your lease, you have to sign something about lead-based paint because it was built pre-1978. So like, that's also just always, if it's in your lease, like, yeah, you know, it might be a little bit suspect.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I'm like, the hindsight's 2020 for me, right? Like I know that there were like in the corners, they had painted over all the mold spots that I didn't find till later when it rained and all that stuff. And then I was like, yeah, it was a whole mess because then I was like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? And they were like, well, we patched up this roof and we're going to come paint. And I'm like, well, what about what's inside the roof? Right. And they're like, well, we're not going to reopen it now. And I'm like, okay, so I'm just going to live with this.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, that's bad that <laughs> yeah. practice. there. I, I I, this, the industry needs a lot of justice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Landlords. <laughs> are not always the most understanding people.
1: Yeah. That's why we got to get the uh, information out, the awareness up on, on the health impacts of it. Maybe that will drive the ship a bit more than just the, they think it's aesthetic or just functionality of the home. It's much, much more. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's why this education is so important. Cause had I known all of that, I mean, this was like seven years ago. Now had I known all of that, I mean, i probably would have thought twice about renting the places I did and that's, well, we eventually moved into a new build because I was like, I need to just, I, and like you said, there are problems with new builds too, but I was like, we need to have as little as possible because there are that's lots right. of historic old homes where I live and I just couldn't live in another historic um, old home again.
1: Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. As a renter, if something does happen, document everything very thoroughly. That's huge. Like if a leak happens or something's starting to form like snap pictures, video document, send the email out so that you have email, you know, um, uh, trace, you know, tracing back to a certain date or whatever that you're notifying the landlord of something happening, like don't let them put it back on you for negligence or whatever. Obviously you want to do your checks on the way in, but if you're living there and something happens, you've got to, um, document everything that hopefully you don't get to, you know, attorneys and everything. But if you do, the documentation is hugely important. Um, there are some lawyers that are really, you know, spearheading some things for, for mold, uh, situations for people but the tenant rights are not um, as favorable right now. Um, There's a resource on gotmold.com called the renter's playbook. That's a nice piece of information for people to educate themselves on as well.
0: Oh, I love that. You're giving us all these resources that I know I'm going to look up and tell clients about and everything because it's it's just a huge industry and there's so much question in it, right? People being like, what's best practice? What's the best test? What's the best to do for this? So I'm like, all these resources are just as great Mm -hmm. as possible.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: We had someone ask out, is it a must to move out to fully heal your body?
1: I, I hate to say it depends, but it really does. Like you've got to be working with a health practitioner who's literate in this stuff and who's like helping with that process. It's best to have a team. Uh, approach to it you've got to follow your body and what, it, what it's t- telling you on this but think of the fish and fishbowl analogy you guys have probably talked about before like you really can only heal the fish so much if the aquarium is filthy um it's just there there may be a block there but um also give your body a lot of credit for its intelligence and its resilience that if you give it what it needs and remove the interferences our bodies are made to heal they really are so one of those interferences is definitely the environmental side with what we're talking about But don't focus so much on your environment being everything. And meanwhile, you're drinking, you know, little to no water, crappy water, terrible diet, no good lifestyle is like, don't please don't blame your whole, you know, health situation on just what might be in your environment when we know what is going on or not going on in your uh, lifestyle and body, right? So it's, it's definitely a balance in that. And I always like to tell people don't put 90% of your attention on the home environment if it's only going to give you 10% return on your health investment. So Really, again, having that balance to know, heal the body, heal the home, and work with a practitioner who knows where your body is really at, you know, with the testing of it and different symptoms. But um, the the overall answer would be, yes, like leaving the environment, you're going to probably heal quicker uh, and and more effectively. But also when someone says, I'm living in a moldy home, well, one person's moldy home is way worse than someone else's. And I'm living in mold. Well, is living in mold an army that's got a couple species that are a little bit high and... Overall, you're in a pretty good shape, or is living in a moldy home like some of these situations that you're talking about, or uh, just you know, it's it's just like crazy burden on the body. So yes, the more you get that burden of uh, the environmental burden lower, then your body can heal much much quicker. Is my experience, but
0: yeah, like we like, talked about, no, you didn't, didn't.
2: like we talked about at the beginning, um, some people are way more effective. Affected by it than other yeah. people too. You know, you can have two people living in the same home, and one is going to feel super sick and have all these problems, and the other one is not going to notice anything. Because I see that a lot in like relationships where either the yes. husband or the wife, you know, is super sick, and they're convinced that it's from mold, and the other person's like, "Well, I don't notice anything," and they don't. So, believe them. yeah, it can't be mold. I don't believe you because I would be sick too.
1: Exactly. I. Good, Emily. That's exactly what I was going to, I missed that part as well. That's people's sensitivities, their overall, like, um, you know, the state of their body and then, you know, why they're sensitive in different ways are, are, is a, is a big key component to it. But yeah, I mean um, I've had that happen often. That's why if you want to communicate about mold with someone who's not really sold on the fact that it could be an issue, a couple analogies right off the bat is the fish and fishbowl one, like I just said, but also um, why can, you know, one person go outside in the pollen and be totally, you know, lick the pollen off the, the rails outside and then be fine. And the other person like is sneezing like crazy. And so we all have these different kind of allergenic responses, but then also, um, the types, you know, that show up, we, we might have different sensitivities to as well, like stachybotrys ketomium that can do a ton more systemic and certain mycotoxin producing molds, certain systemic things throughout the body that. Um, yeah, one person may not feel it right now, but may feel it later in life. Uh, another analogy I have is if you were four years old and bit by a Doberman retriever, maybe at age 24, your body is a little bit more highly sensitive to when the Doberman walks around the corner, <laughs> right? Because you've already had the previous you know, experience. And so if you had previous exposures with mold of different types or, or amounts, then yes, your body might be more heightened and sensitive to that as well. And So we just have to the understanding with people and and uh i tell um husbands often that you know or boyfriends that the woman is oftentimes that first radar and we have to like they're they're an extension of our senses and listening that we really really have to listen to um because there is just a lot more um yeah body bodily and sense sensory intelligence there that we have to like honor and listen to and it's a you know a great gift in a lot of ways so
2: Yeah, I think men notice that they just don't pay attention because like my husband will be like allergies and nose running and coughing and a headache and he's like, No, I'm fine. And he's fine, yeah, exactly.
0: I'm like, No, you're you're not fine. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But yeah. I also think it plays a role in that toxin bucket, right? Because everyone's exposed to different toxins. And a lot of people don't realize that mine might be higher than yours. That's why I'm impacted Mm -hmm. by mold, right? It's overflowing right now. I got covered in a full body rash, whereas my boyfriend pretty much lived with me and he was fine. Didn't really see any issues. And meanwhile, I can barely function on a daily basis. It was a very different experience, but I as much as I had been addressing those toxins, I wasn't able to empty the bucket fast enough, right? Like we're, we're continuing to work on my drainage pathways and everything. But at the same time, I'm taking in way more because I'm just more sensitive.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. hundred percent. Right. You guys are on it.
0: And I also want to talk a little bit about drainage. One, I love drainage. Everyone knows that the drainage pathways, pooping, lymphatic drainage, your liver, all that stuff. But people ask like, what can I do while I'm living in mold? And I'm like, you can address your drainage pathways, how quickly you're getting rid of toxins because right. mold The reason mold is such a big issue is it produces those mycotoxins, an immunosuppressant, mitochondrial suppressant. It also can impact those epithelial cells in the liver. So it can impact your ability to remove toxins. So that's why we have to make sure that your drainage pathway is open, working as best as possible before. I mean, if you can't move out, right. There's other things you can do in the short term to decrease Mm -hmm. that toxin bucket as much as possible. So that, like you said, you can heal a lot faster.
1: Yes. Yeah. Get outside. Like don't, don't be what the EPA says. We're spending 90% of our time (laughs) indoors when your indoor environments. Like Not helping the process, right? So yeah, Mm -hmm. enjoyed life outside. And um that's yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And there's so much bodily intelligence and resilience and taking uh, you know, care of our environment is a huge part of it, but the internal environment is huge as well.
0: Yeah. And like you said, I think that people don't listen to their bodies enough. Like when you walk into mold. Because I had such a negative experience, I have a mold sensor. I'll walk into a hotel and be like, I don't want to stay here. This is gross. Like this is really yeah. bad, or something like that. Oh. But a lot of people won't even listen to the like, do you feel like you can't breathe as well? Does it smell even musty? Right. Like those sort of just like tiny yeah. little things. Yes. Mean a lot.
1: Yeah. Even the smell itself is a VOC that is not healthy. Like the actual odor. So that's very important to know also that if you're smelling it all the time, like that actual odor is not just a sign that mold is maybe there, but the odor itself, um, could cause some, some issues. So yeah, just, that's where, why we have, uh, you know, that, that sense, uh, as well. And, um, just lost what I was going to say, go to the next thing I'll I'll remember.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was really just going to ask about how you've seen it. Have you seen it manifest in terms of like respiratory illness? I know I have, I had, sinus infections my whole entire life, lots mm. of respiratory issues in my family and that's why I'm like my family grew up in mold. If you mm-hmm. look at like the health issues that my whole family has like it was mold. But yeah. um have you seen it manifest in terms of respiratory issues?
1: Oh, of course, yeah. I mean there's uh kind of the distinction between mold allergy versus mold illness and the mold allergy kind of I think of it as the upper respiratory like symptoms. It's kind of lung up uh the mold illness could be that longer term suppressant it's affecting the gut systemic joint pain all this you know stuff but yes totally i mean in the sinus cavities and with uh you know brain fog and all that stuff and then yes with with respiratory stuff as well um there's going to be some exposure to everybody for their life it's just let's not i always like to say let's not let the um accumulative effect happen in our recycled air boxes, our homes, where these uh, mold levels are going to just overburden us for for long periods of time. I really believe the accumulation effect is a huge, huge part of, um, of all this. I mean, if you're in it, like again, when I was doing inspections, and I'm in there for a few hours, and I leave, like, oh my gosh, it, that was rough. I can't believe people live there. But I go home, hit the sauna binder, do what I know to do a lot of different ways. And you know, I'm on my way and I'm good. That's, that's awesome. I, I hope that's everyone's experience that, you know, if it does, if it does impact you, that you can kind of, um, uh, like recover quickly in that way, but that's not everyone. Obviously, sometimes people can have an excuse, acute exposure. It takes a little bit longer than that. Um, but I, that's all the factors we just talked about with different sensitivities, but, um, it's the, the, how long-term, you know, have you been in that is also a huge part of this that buildup in the lungs that build up in the sinuses or, you know, this respiratory stuff. Yeah. And yeah, was- actually one, one quick story. Uh, Won't go too much on this one, but man, a lawyer called me, said, go into this apartment. Uh, you know, we're hiring you to to check it. I got in there and the, the guy was 29 years old in the hospital on oxygen. And so the, the house is empty and his friend lets me in. I go in, I'm like, how the heck I get like just, it was like someone poisoned this little apartment. And so I walk in there and I'm like, this is horrific. I'm and that's the only inspection I probably only took 20 minutes on. I put my mask on, ran through that place, and I opened the door in the master bedroom. There's the HVAC closet, and it's basically raining in there. The whole thing is black. Like this is no one would ever think to live there, guys. Like, so don't think your house has this issue. You'll know. Like it's <laughs> a poison box. And so um walking through there take my air samples, but I'm like, I'm just going to swab all these spots. I can visually see this. This is a massive issue, and the smell is horrific, and it's, like, damp in the whole house. I'm like, how are you living here? Well, he wasn't very aware, unfortunately, but uh, he he was starting to get these really, really gnarly symptoms, uh, you know, coughing, lung, all this stuff, doesn't know, thinks it's COVID, goes to the uh, hospital. They put him on oxygen, say, well, yeah, it might be COVID as well, and, and just stay in your home for the next seven days oh, on man. oxygen so he's stuck in there it gets ten times worse he's in the hospital getting like lung like I mean the, the dude had insane amounts of uh of lung issues and um God it got so bad like I got the results back gave his lawyer lawyer calls me says call the mom and she goes there he's on a ventilator 29 years old so I go in there uh he's not conscious I you know pray over him talk with the Um, mom and friend and everything. I'm like, this is intense. Like, but with this type of environment, I don't care how strong or young you are. Like you stick someone in a poison box, like they're going to be impacted. This was, this was rough. I would have been in the same boat if you stuck me in there for seven days. And um, yeah, so that, that didn't help at all. He ended up getting off the ventilator a week or two later and just an amazing story that he's okay now and out of that environment. But that was intense. Yeah.
2: I'm glad that, that he made it out.
1: Yeah,
2: I know. I was <laughs> made like, it for the end of that. <laughs> I story was expecting again. the worst. I was like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. That's I was like,
1: very happy he's okay now. But yeah. my God, that, that was crazy. That's,
0: That's why I say the shutdowns were a blessing in disguise for me because I had like small little they called it just an ex rash. And I was like, okay, I already had been working on my health at this point. So I'm like, why the heck am I getting eczema? And then yeah. All the shutdowns happened, and I lived in my house, so I was like, "Perfect, I'm gonna get better because the clo- like I won't have to wear shirts, so like it won't rip it open, all that stuff." And I got so much worse; it grew and grew and grew. And I was like, "This has got to be something." Like my whole body, I'm lotioning it regularly; everything's clean. And then I just moved in with my boyfriend, and it started to go away as soon as I did that. And I focused on drainage; I was focusing on just making sure that my body was properly detoxing whatever the heck was inside of it, because. I didn't have a mold protocol at the time. I didn't know all of that right the way I know wow. as much as I do now. But focusing on that was able like right two months later, I had no more rashes and I don't get rashes anymore. Like it was just out that's, of nowhere.
1: That's crazy.
0: And I, it was a very oh. musty, disgusting apartment and I knew it. I just only had a month to find an apartment and I was like, well, we're going to cross our fingers and we don't spend much time here anyways. And then, of course, all the shutdowns <laughs> happen. So Wow. Not much yeah, form there,
1: but it's yeah, I mean it the shutdowns definitely had those who were wanting to learn, they learned a ton in that time. I'll just say that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's I also a think good amount
1: of time to take a break and learn.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was gonna say fear is really important when it comes to mold too, because yes. there are people like me, right? I had high incenses to mold because I had such a huge <laughs> impact to my health that every time I would get in mold, I would start to get paranoid and it like, mm-hmm. I'm obviously much better now. Right. But you get paranoid, you worry about things and then it's going to manifest in the body. Let's just be real. Your mind is so much power, more powerful than we think it is. Yes. So yes, let's be real. As much as you have to neutralize your environment, you have to neutralize your mind. Cause if you're looking for a symptom every day, you're going to find you will, it.
1: You will find it a hundred percent. Very, very well said. Yeah, I tell people this is very simple, but wherever you are right now, go look for the color red. Can't even do it now if you'd like. You're you're <laughs> dialed in, you're finding it, and every other color goes blank, right? Because I told you red, power of su- suggestion, your mind takes that in and computes for red, and it's, it's drawn to it. So again, if you're going around our whole life looking for whatever that suggestion is, we're going to literally be blind to other things, and that's where it's very, very important to have, Um, a practice of stillness and you would call whatever meditation, mindfulness, this and that, my way I like to say it is really disentangling from the nervous system so that we can observe our life before we absorb it. And that was the biggest kind of like realization I had during 2020. It was like everything that's happening, don't absorb it too quick, be the observer of it. And it's really, really important to do that. Um, because if you start to add that energy and where your attention goes, energy flows and you start to add that attention to all this stuff, you will go right up into that fight or flight or free state and, you know, dysregulate the body take much longer. I can make myself sick in the next 24 hours with thought alone. So it's like, we're all on the brink, you know, brink of uh, all types of stuff. However, um, if we know and trust our body to, to show us these things, and we we know it's power and strength to do, do that and heal. Like it's uh, made to, then you just, you can go in with a lot more peace and it's very, very important to like find the solutions and act on the solutions and not let the paralysis of analysis, you know, kick in and just, I don't want to do the wrong things. So you do nothing. Meanwhile, it's life is going on and you're doing nothing. So I always really like to tell people like, you can learn all this stuff, but as soon as you know, mold is an issue and you're not needing convinced on that, all you should be focused on is how to solve it now. Like the solution process should be where your focus goes. So many people get obsessed with, well, oh, could it also cause this thing and cause that thing. The, the symptom list is off the charts. Cause we're also bio-individual. And they keep adding a new symptom to the list of 55 that mold could potentially correlate with. It's like, guys, it's an issue. So let's find the sources, solve the issue, learn about the body, heal that and, uh, you know, be stronger for the days ahead and believe in healing and see our life as, um, a healed life. Cause some people also are kind of comfortable living in the, uh, endorphin and adrenaline release of, uh, distresses and sicknesses and anxieties of life, and they wouldn't know what to do with themselves if they actually lived in peace. And I'm not going to go on much further on this, but that's a very, very important part is really who we are and how we are um, keeping our body temple and our mind in just alignment and peace and more of a, a state of power rather than giving it away to every um, everything left and right.
2: I feel like we touch on that end up touching on that in every single episode somehow it's and important. It's just like come on guys <laughs> this piece yeah. is so important to your health so yeah, yeah they're right. gonna
0: they're gonna get it by now if it, every single guest so. we bring on that doesn't know <laughs> you guys all don't know each other you don't know who's gonna be on the podcast if yeah. every single guest is like the point is to just become the healed person they're gonna get it they're all it's gonna click
1: yeah <laughs> that's awesome because we yeah there was no prompt for that to even come up, but mm-hmm. it must be, it must be, you know, Courtney and Emily and who you all are that you draw that forth from the guests. If they're all saying that, and that's awesome because you attract what you are. And, uh, that's, that's really cool. Cause that's a big passion of mine is to like mm-hmm. really empower the people. Like it's very important to take care of the, the environment, but I could make so much money, fear-mongering people and making them mold obsessed. And I would be really me- like doing life with a very unclean conscience that way. Personally, I, I could never and will never do that. But that's just no way to live. Like we we can solve this stuff and, and progress and move forward. So Yeah. And
0: so tell about us about it? your resource. I want to hear all about it.
1: Uh yeah. So hopefully it's done in the next week or two. I keep saying that because I keep expanding it. It keeps getting better <laughs> and better and more, and more ideas go and it's awesome. But I basically said if I had to not talk about mold ever again, what would I put, you know, um, on there to leave people with? So for the newest person, it's gonna be really like it, it's, it's going to be comprehensive, but it's going to be basic enough where you're going to find yourself in it. Where are you? Are you a renter? Are you in this situation? Are you vetting a remediator? Like all the language that we're talking about today is going to be there. Um, And for you guys, I'll say the name of it. I haven't released it yet, but it's called the mold handbook and the stands for tactical, honest, and empowering. And the goal is really to make sure that Where If you know a little bit about mold or a lot about mold, it's going to be something that you can go to and find yourself in it wherever you are in the mold timeline of um, just in the exploratory investigative process, testing, inspection, remediation, uh, done with remediation on the rebuild side or in that maintain and move on. There's there's just going to be resources for everybody in there. And uh, yeah, so that handbook is going to be great. It's going to be for everybody. It's going to be affordable, but it's going to have... It's going to literally save thousands and thousands of dollars of potential issues in the future. And if you have that on hand, you will not be one of those who hire three inspectors and call me after and say, I wasted money on three inspectors because they were in too quick. And you'll know your stuff uh, you know, before doing that. And you'll really have a good game plan uh, moving forward. And so that's going to be coming out um, pretty soon. Very, very excited about that but my Instagram page has a lot of uh, good interviews I've done like this and with other great health practitioners. Um, I do one-on-one consultations with people so that if they need me for a quick, like good bang for your buck, one call, and we get a lot accomplished and set you on your way, there's that, you know, lower cost option. And there's one where I'm more involved do more homework and follow up with you. And then there's one where I'm with you every step of the way for a long you know, period of time as well. And those can really help. Um, so that again, we're, putting our investment in the right place. There's a lot out there. Um, Mold can get expensive for sure, but that's why I like to help people with like, let's prioritize what's actually going to be the best use of our money so that we get a return on our investment for our health and not hit the law of diminishing returns. And now we're spending so much money. And really we could have spent a quarter of that amount of money and gotten what we needed to um, as far as like from a health standpoint and effectiveness on the home.
2: Yeah, your handbook sounds great. I think because people are always asking me like, where do I start? Where do I go? What do I do? So that'll be a really good resource to send to them, and yeah. we'll link that in the show notes when it's out. Hopefully, it's out. You know, by the time the podcast comes out. But if not, yes. we'll go back and add it, and then we'll thank you. Yeah, share that'd be it as great. well. Um, <laughs> no, YouTube you get it for free. Awesome. <laughs> um, do you travel? Like, I know you said you were located in uh, Fort Worth, right? Fort Worth, Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you travel for like remediations and stuff? Because I have a lot of, obviously since I'm in Texas too, I have a lot of Texas followers from all over and even like out of state, I know that they would probably be interested in your services at some point or another.
1: I'm not doing as many in-person inspections, unfortunately. Um, done hundreds of them and still, you know, would love to, I just That's not as much of where my time is going uh, is is for inspections. If I need to, I will. Um, Again, there are certain state, like I don't have my Texas license because I just moved here, but Texas is one of about five states that needs certain state certifications as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, that's where I do help with the vetting of inspectors and remediators and even having calls with them so that there's like more accountability and oversight in that Um, case by case basis. Just let me know, see what we can do. But okay. we can not accomplish a lot virtually. I do a lot of, hey, walk me around your home, you know, and yeah. that's not everything, but it's mm-hmm. you know, we can get a lot accomplished virtually, a lot more than we we may think. There's yeah. a lot of at home tests, we get those strategies. Um obviously the in-person inspection is gonna fill in all those other gaps, but um work with what we can now and try to involve the right team. Yeah,
2: I think just having somebody that people feel like they can trust to talk to, which obviously is you, so. I think that would be very helpful for a lot of people. Yeah.
1: Too. And every situation is a bit different, but like I've had so many conversations with remediators, and they know that the client hired me. And so the remediator is not going to, you know, go to the next step until they do a FaceTime with me. And it's mm-hmm. like that, that helps a lot. I yeah. Really make sure that everyone's really on point. Remediators really um, are busy, stressed out people for the most part, and they're dealing with mold every day. And so dealing with mold every day can have their own health issues. I would love to educate remediators so that they're taking care of themselves. And in turn, they'll be taking care of the the clients, right? If they do a better job. But sometimes they cut corners because they're so darn tired and stressed. I I know the the industry on that. Um, And that's why certain clients, if you know your stuff and you put them on their toes, they're they're not gonna cut those corners. They're gonna really do things to a T. Should they every single time? Yes, but if you're an empowered homeowner and you know this stuff, you're going to get a much more uh, on point remediation where they're they're like, okay, this is a, a client that we need to be very, you know, tight about. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: yeah. And if they even just follow you and look at a lot of the resources you have on your Instagram, they're going to be a lot more educated than they were when they. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And not the fear stuff, guys. Like if you already know mold's an issue, you're not going to hear from me the other new 10 symptoms that it can cause or just like, again, I'm, I don't, I don't like, uh, put all the spotlight on the problems of mold. I assume you already know mold can be an issue. So I put the spotlight on the solutions and how to progress through this thing and actually take steps because if 90% of your focus is on the issues with mold and only 10% on the solutions, you will stay in that thing for a while and your health will, will feel it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. There's only so much more information you need to take in about it being an issue when you already right. know that it's a problem. Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyone can learn about mold. Like I, like you, you can learn about that timeline of, of how it's, you know, uh, how to progress through it and then how to move on. So um, just want to help people maintain peace of mind throughout the process. And mold can be quite the teacher because you went through what you went through and now look what you're doing. It's awesome. I always like to attach this stuff that our, our, pains turning to our purpose, whatever you want to call it, where mm-hmm. you've went through this and now you've learned so much. Now you're like, oh my gosh, body, I'm so sorry I ignored you or I <laughs> you know, pushed your voice aside in so many ways. Like now I'm learning about the body, but then I'm learning about the home and then my neighbor has an issue and I can actually empower them now with, hey, at least you know do this. So mold coming to us is uh, like, don't waste your hardship. but like Use this thing, progress through it and see it as a total blessing because it really, really can be. Um, as sucky as the process might be in the middle of it, uh, afterwards, you're like, wow, you know, that that really actually turned to a lot of good.
0: Yeah. And that's why we both ended up here, right? Because we went through issues that we learned a lot about. And we're like, okay, well, time to help other people with it, because we've amassed all this knowledge, not for not. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. And if you don't have a place to offload it, you're more stressed. It's all in you. And you're thinking it's <laughs> only your home, you got to go look around in. But meanwhile, all that knowledge you have might be, you know, your neighbor's home <laughs> that needs that. So
0: exactly. Right. Do you yeah. have anything left? you mm-hmm. want to ask him? I feel like we covered so much. Yeah, we
2: did. Um, there was one question, actually, I think
0: that okay. I wanted
2: to ask yet. Somebody wanted to know when you're moving out of mold, is there any items that are salvageable? Like, is there anything oh, yeah, that you can take?
1: The main question, oh my gosh, the biggest, criteria <laughs> biggest, and it really is that one in the back of a lot of people's mind that causes them the most fears like, oh my God, do I have to get rid of all my stuff? Maybe I don't even want to go down this mold journey because
0: mm-hmm. I don't even
1: want the proposition that I have to get rid of, you know, all my contents, contents. It's a case by case basis. How truly how moldy and toxigenic is the home it's coming from is the first thing. How sensitive is another, are you is another thing. Um, do you even need some of these things right off the bat is what I tell people, especially with the porous items. Have you had this, you know, couch for 15 years and it was handed down and you're like, it was junk anyway, like get rid of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do what my wife did and, and go into the closet and say, would I, uh, wear these things on, you know, my first one or two dates with you? It's like, no, toss it. So already, <laughs> I like that like, question. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Right? It really helps like, uh, you know, filter a lot of things out. And so with your porous items, the stuff that, you know, uh, upholstery, clothing, things like that that's the stuff that you need to really make some decisions on throwing away or not. That's going to hold a lot more microbial history and be much tougher to clean. If we're just assuming there might be mold on this stuff, I don't know, but your house wasn't that moldy prior, you're not that sensitive. Maybe we can clean and save that via, you know, um, EC3 laundry additive solution to do the, um, you know, clothing stuff. And then maybe you can HEPA vacuum best you can on different um, porous items. But when you're getting rid of stuff, it's more of the porous items that you're more looking to get rid of. Unless you are semi-porous and non-porous items, plastic, metal, wood, all this stuff, the harder surfaces, you can most times clean and save that. Unless there's a lot of mold like embedded into it, then you may need to toss it. But many times there are cleaning measures and talk to me on that about how to how to really do it, but have a vacuum, peroxide, heavy duty peroxide, all that, there's ways to get those cleaned. And the hard surface stuff, most times, like I said, you can get them cleaned and saved and not have to toss everything. All the horror stories of like, we got rid of every single thing. I was like, well, you were just misinformed that you didn't need to get rid of your glass. Like that was just mold that sat on top of it and you could have just cleaned it. Um, so it's, it's just important to know again, how moldy is the house? How moldy is the stuff? How sensitive are, are you how toxigenic are the molds that you're leaving? And, um, you know, is this also causing a nice spring cleaning where you're going to get rid of things anyway? And that's going to take a lot of, you know, again, mold's a teacher. It sucks, but it's a, it's a teacher. And so let mold be the teacher before the pain teacher comes in and makes the pain even worse until you learn that uh, as well. Learn that one from Paul Check for anyone who hasn't heard about the pain teacher, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the um, yeah. So the, the contents are tough. I like to really help people with their situation, like sorting those, but those are the three categories and best solution to pollution is dilution, like I said. So how do we dilute our stuff as best we can and really weigh the pros and cons of replacing something versus uh, keeping it? And mattresses, for instance, if you're spending eight hours a night on there and you have a big question about it and it's old and you have all these different, you know, list of things that could be a problem with it. You're waking up not feeling good every morning. Let's, let's try to invest in a new mattress. But again, it's a case-by-case basis on contents. hmm
0: I also always tell people if you're paranoid enough to the point where it is making you think about it every single day, it's probably worth it to get rid of it. Yeah. I felt that way about my carpet. It was like a hundred dollar carpet. And I was like, oh my God, is it moldy? Is it not? And I was freaking out. And my boyfriend's like, well, it was a hundred dollars. So we're going to get a new one. And I was like, you know, I needed that. I really <laughs> needed someone to tell me that. Cause I can tell other people to I'm blue in the face, but if it's making you paranoid about it, exactly, definitely consider it because yeah, like we boss. talked about the mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: very well said. Yeah. Good stuff.
0: I know that was good. Okay. Tell people where they can find you once more.
1: Yeah. Uh, Instagram is the main place I'm hanging out at mold authority live. Um, maybe rebranding soon. Um, but good resources there. And you can reach out to me even, um, at Melrose health consulting at gmail.com. And, uh, we'll have a lot of new things coming up and new resources but would love to help wherever you are in that journey if you need uh interpretations on lab results or guidance through the process or hey we're about to get this remediation quote it's does it look good what do we need versus not you know um what, what can be maybe skipped anywhere you are in the process but go watch some of those videos especially the ones in front of the whiteboard on my page and those could be really helpful starts for you and uh just be empowered know that like you really can get these solutions and do so much more before even bringing in a professional um, and that your body can and will heal and not to waste this process, this process of going through mold or learning about it is going to cause a lot of good. If you choose to see it in that light. And uh, yeah, if you've already been through it, proud of you go give away your knowledge and help the next person.
0: I love your perspective so much. I'm so glad you're on here. This is such a good (laughs) podcast.
2: Yes, it really, really was. I think everybody's going to, really enjoy that and we will leave all your links down below too so people can access that definitely go check out his instagram because i was looking through it just before we got on the podcast and there is a ton of information there so
1: yeah the uh, all that. those little story highlights gosh there's so much on there like it's, it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. the q and a's the like just need hope and healing and like some spiritual perspective i I've, i get little nudges from the spirit to write something and every time someone messaged that one was for me I was like okay that's why I posted it so there's like two or three little highlights with a lot of you know just life-giving words uh for you that's going to really really change the the perspective on the inside and it's going to help everything navigating uh on the outside but um then there's live look-ins where I've been doing inspections and kind of brought you along with me on those those are kind of fun uh, and yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good resources there. But you guys are great. Thank you. Like, we could probably do a whole another hour on like oh, yeah. other oh, topics. I sure. sense that. Like, <laughs> I, I,
2: maybe we we'll just
1: hold on the shelf and learn and talk about it like a million different things. I can sense that. So
2: maybe we'll maybe. just have to have you back for another episode at
1: some point. So that fun. Yeah. Yeah,
2: this was really great. I loved it a lot. I did too. You guys
1: are great. Thank you. I know that all you do is effective and you're going to have just an amazing year ahead of like great growth in your personal lives and in this podcast. And um, yeah, whether you see all the fruit of your labor or not, just know that it's happening and it's out there. And the more people who apply uh, what you guys do, they're going to get their lives changed. So
0: thank thank you. you. We appreciate that. You're so
2: kind. (laughs) I know your energy is just like, it's so good. Such good energy. It's
0: refreshing, and, and like it, it you really said, is. with like mold, there could be so much fear mongering, and like your energy from literally the opposite perspective is just so refreshing and great. Yeah,
2: like I like you were saying about your highlights. I was like, that that's what people need to see surrounding this subject. I feel like because, like yes. you said, everybody sees the fear aspect of it, all the symptoms, and they they just need that positivity. So mm-hmm. I really love that you're putting yeah, that out. There. I've
1: I've gotten uh, like actually angry at times where like when i see people pushing the fear so hard and you know they're just wanting to get extra bucks or extra um you know that heightened emotional response for a lot of ways and i'm like Mm -hmm. maybe i'm even losing money at times for not doing it fair Mm -hmm. enough like i i can't do that in good conscience i really love and care for people and know that our minds are fragile Mm -hmm. and you have a life to live way beyond me making you a mold obsessed person so like that that's like you know uh sparked that but also like i've you say i have a good energy but i've like come from Extreme fear, uh, living like hating myself, very much hating myself, hating others, got it, got into drugs, like lived totally lost. I thought I'd be dead by the age of 24, and here I am, like about to turn 30. And so, I've had a life of overcoming and, um, the power of God within me being way stronger than whatever is around me. And so, that's why I believe in all of you because I've, I've myself been, um, through some of those. And I just simply believe that things can change in a moment. I really do.
2: I love that so much. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> um, I'm I think like, that we got way a, more than we were even bargaining. Yeah, for. that was all, like I said, every single one of our episodes goes into the emotional <laughs> side of things. Everyone so needs to I hear it. Love that. But I think that is a really good place to end it. So it thank is. you again so much for coming on and, yep. uh, thank you.
0: Yeah. Everyone's going to love this podcast. It was so good. Thank you so much. Yeah. Cause everyone just needs <laughs> to know all about everything we talked about.
1: Oh, Thank yeah. you. You guys were awesome. First class, um, on my link tree, there's a $10 resource called breath rhythms. And it's my favorite 10 breath exercises for like peace yeah. and relaxation whatever. And so if that's a good place for someone to say, you know what, before I even start all the stressful, uh, journey. I'm going to get really still and learn. Like there's a lot in that resource. It's not just 10 exercises, a lot, a lot of other good information there And a five hour long playlist attached. Go do that. 10 bucks, best, you'll, best 10 bucks you'll spend, breathe, relax, get empowered, and then go move into the, uh, next step with mold.
2: <laughs> I love
1: breathworks. So I'll,
2: I'll link that below.
1: That's all awesome. great.
2: All right. You guys are great.
1: You. Let's be in touch. Thank you
0: for sure. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for coming on.
1: Yes, definitely.